1: Hey, my friends, we are back again. It is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcast Network. I am Charlie Carden, uh, your trick lord of West Michigan, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey in Region 13 of the Starfleet International Fan Club. And this is Episode 93 of our wonderful little show. Uh, Before I introduce my co-hosts and before... Uh, we start talking about this week's topic, which is kind of a fun little departure. Uh, We want to give some Patreon love to Missy Merchant, who is a close personal friend of mine and of Kay's and of just about anybody she meets because she's so awesome. But she did join up uh, our Patreon, and after I introduce our co-host here, she is going to be bequeathed her Star Trek race Starfleet job in just a moment here. But as always, I am joined uh, by my faithful companions, Mr. Peter Stein. How are you today, Peter? Hey, everyone. Doing all right. Excellent. And the uh, indefatigable Kay, how are you?
2: I'm doing well, thank you.
1: Excellent. And our guest this week, uh, from the Windy City of Chicago, Chicagoland, uh, a cast player friend of ours, is Jen Watson, is joining us. Jen, how are you today?
3: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: We're doing good. Staying warm in the freezing cold. Um, but yeah, uh, we're very excited about our Patreon. Um, things have been taken off. We've got a lot of new people supporting us. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, this program, as we've stated, uh, along with a Co-op Mode, SFU Prime, And uh, the Holocron Chronicles Uh, will remain free. You can always find those. But if you you love our stuff and you want to hear more, we've got new exclusive Patreon content that you're going to find over at patreon.com slash secret friends unite. So give it a look if you're interested. But... Missy Merchant, we love you. Thank you for being one of our big supporters. We're going to continue to do this anytime somebody comes on uh, at the at at the appropriate level. We're going to give them that Star Trek uh, race and Starfleet uh, job here uh, at uh, on the show. So I'll start, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll go in the same order. Peter, you get to go next, and Kay, then uh, Jen. If you want to jump in, feel free. Kind of a little little word association. I know I didn't prep you for it, but uh, <laughs> um, Missy, let's see. I'm going to pick the easy one. I know you love the Kelpians, so you're going to get to be a Kelpian. Um, which is, uh, you know, I know that they're very rare, So, and I think you're a very rare, wonderful person, so I think that's a perfect fit. And as far as the Starfleet job, I don't want to be boring and give you your uh, Graham Petoskey job, which is our ship's counselor, so I'm going to say you're going to be the Warp Plasma Specialist. There you go. Doesn't that sound technical? <laughs> Peter,
0: your turn. Oh, um, Okay. Race. Uh, I'm going to go with Cation, just because nice. it pops my head. Um, and for job, I'm going to give you Sulu's old job of ship's botanist.
1: Ooh, nice! A cat botanist. Don't eat the poinsettias at Christmas time. Be a bad choice. <laughs> okay, what do you think?
2: Um, I'm going to I'm going to vary it up a little bit because I believe that their um, OG character that they made was a Romulan Kelpian. If I remember correctly, so that's I, that's okay. what I'm going to do: half Romian and okay, half Kelpien. Kelpien. Nice, nice. Or Vulcan kelpin yeah. So I'm going mean, to do that, I and like then um, I think it's Vulcan.
1: yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to say that uh, they're going to be Chief Science Officer.
1: Very nice. Gotcha. Keeping it in the sciences, Jen. I know we're throwing you a curveball, but jump on in.
3: Oh gosh, um, this is tricky for someone that I don't know, but. Um, that's okay. That's what makes it fun. <laughs> you know what? knowing that she was uh, a counselor, I'm gonna kind of go a little softball in this one and say, let's go with betazoid and but instead of being a counselor, let's go with um helm Helm is good, gotcha Helm, helm
1: botany, helm. plasma scrubbing yeah. science person, Holy yeah. cow that is a yeah, lot okay. in there. Hey, for so our here dear, here many hats. Um, you got many hats, many hats, yet no hats because they don't wear hats in Starfleet. Well, Missy, we are super grateful for your support and can't wait to um, to have you on the show. She's going to be doing some work with us coming up in the future. So, uh, okay, well, we've got an actual bit of news, which we rarely do on this show, and then we're jumping into our fun, little bit of a departure for this episode topic. So, Star Trek: Picard final season three trailer drop you're listening to this uh as early as march 6th uh excuse me february 6th and uh, february 16th uh is when the first season drops so 10 days later so uh let's go with jen and uh kay because you just watched it um first reactions jen you're the co-star jump on in or you're our (laughs) guest please jump on in what do you think
3: I'm excited. I'm very excited. This is looking very cool. Um, I was okay with season one and season two was a little bit disappointing for me. So I'm really excited that I'm excited about it. Um, I know a lot of reviews have come in that have been saying it's really good. Um, I've gone from cautiously optimistic to like genuinely optimistic. I love seeing the next gen cast. I love seeing Seven of Nine. Um, she's one of the characters I cosplay, so it's always great to see her, uh, especially in a uniform, which is gonna be really fun and more comfortable for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um right. bring it on. I'm excited. I'm stoked.
1: Rock and roll. All right, yeah. Kay, what do you say?
2: Um, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic. Um, I'm hoping that all of the heavy action sequences were just because it's the trailer and that that's not going to be its bread and butter. Um, Because the thing I love about TNG is that it's not so much action oriented as that it is, you know, a lot of philosophy and a lot of moral quandaries. And so I'm hoping that we get a lot of good tidbits of that um, along with the cool CG action sequences.
1: Gotcha. Perfectly fair. I like it. All right, Peter, take us mm-hmm. home and then well, I guess I'll take us home, but you can be you can be number three.
0: Kay kind of stole my thunder. You, so, <laughs> uh, that,
1: that's you, I can backtrack
2: and talk about how excited I am to see Worf again. I mean <laughs> and then you can talk about yeah. the other stuff.
1: <laughs> and he looks great. Talk about a silver
0: fox. foxes. Oh, I, I do hope that they don't pull try to do Mass Effect 3. Uh, because I did get a little bit of vibe with that again, but we'll see. Gotcha.
1: That's a reference I don't get, but I assume that it's something that I probably also don't want to see. So, it's a bunch
2: of sentient computers coming in from another dimension to destroy all organics.
1: Yes. That's that like, it's funny because I've been watching it was
2: yes which is why we're saying we hope that they don't redo mass effect three because that mass effect three is from (laughs) a while ago
1: (laughs) That, that sounds very I've been watching um one of the series of Doctor Who because I'm going to be doing one of those for one of our Patreon shows with my uh, my uh, Couch for John and that's just the Daleks all over the place and I don't you know we already have the Borg and I don't need to see that so yeah I'm, I'm with you about that um, I have uh, a buddy who's a journalist who got the screener for this which was the first six episodes and of course he can't say much but he's like I'm very happy with it. You know, they did some stuff I probably wouldn't have picked, but you know, they didn't ask me, which is what we all say or, or we should all say we shouldn't get all indignant when stuff doesn't go our way. But um, you're right, everything I'm hearing out there is, you know, if if, you know, newer Star Trek is not your flavor, this feels more traditional. This is kind of taking us back where we need to be and it's great. So I think it's going to be fantastic. So this was, yeah, this was, and I didn't, I didn't, you know, and I watched all the analysis videos because I always do that from, you know, new rock stars or or what a culture or Trek Central or the different YouTubers I follow. So everybody seems to be pretty fired up. I mean, in in a little little bit less, you know, lack of bias, like, oh, my God, everything's amazing because I don't want to listen to those videos. I'd like someone to actually have a critical eye for, my God, I'm terrified. Because we've all been terrified uh, on this show since, you know, that was on last time, you know, because we were all very disenfranchised by season two, it was the throwing spaghetti to the wall to see what sticks and and very little did, which we've kind of said time again here. Um, So we we have our hopes high. So, okay, well, cool. Well, we will know about that uh, when we are back for our next episode, we will have had uh, one episode of Picard Season 3 under our belt, and we will be starting to talk about Team Space Nine, first seven episodes of Season 3, so I'm very excited about that, with a guest, actually, Missy, who we just honored as our new patron, will be joining us uh, for that episode, Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that, so, okay, any final thoughts before we move on?
3: The whole trust no one thing seems like it might be a mirror universe, which we never got. In uh, for next gen, except in the comics. yeah, Yeah, right. Okay, to see if there is a mirror universe, I know we kind of did that with Discovery, we've gone a lot of mirror universe already, but like, I don't know, could be neat to see what that does with next gen. (laughs) I don't think, yeah, they kind
2: of hinted at that in the beginning of season two because Mm -hmm. Picard had some stuff from the mirror universe, but then I was like, oh no, Mm -hmm. this is actually just an alternate timeline. So I would really like to see, yeah, if they're going to play with some stuff. Like I said, I I mean, my continuing theory is still like the Borg and, you know, Starfleet's going to team up against this weird, like synthetic organic or synthetic race that's going to come back, try to wipe out humanity. But I mean, I still think that would be very fun, but also Mirror Universe would be very cool, too.
1: In in some ways, it's kind of cool not to know. I um, there's a lot of mm-hmm. theories flying around about who the young man is who's joining the cast because young man Beverly is this Picard's long lost son. Is it? I heard somebody say, "What if it's it's his nephew Renee who supposedly died in a fire during Star Trek Generations, uh, who is coming back?" And of course, he could be none of those things. You know, the, the, the theories are so rampant before yeah. uh, between a mm-hmm. final trailer drop and you know the first episode of a season or just in between things. So. Who the hell knows? But you know what? In 10 days from listening to this or less, we we will know something. So that's cool. Good deal. All right. Well, let's move on to the – moving on from the appetizer onto the main course. We are talking today about the Kelvin timeline films. We're, We're putting it into one supersized episode. We're going to be talking about Star Trek from 2009, Star Trek Into Darkness from 2013, And Star Trek Beyond from 2016. Uh, We're going to be addressing them kind of one at a time. We're going to give our highs and lows as we go. And we will see where we end up on the other side. So uh, I'm going to have somebody read the first summary for me. And I choose (laughs) Kate. You're up.
2: (laughs) Okay. So Star Trek is a 2009 American science fiction action film directed by J.J. Abrams and written by Robert Orkai and Alex Kuzman. It is the 11th film in the Star Trek franchise and is also a reboot that features the main characters of the original Star Trek television series portrayed by a new cast as the, film, or as the first in the rebooted film series. It follows James T. Kirk, a.k.a. Chris Pine, and Spock, Zachary Quinto, aboard the USS Enterprise as they combat Nero played by Eric Bana, a Romulan from the future who threatens the United Federation of Planets. The story takes place in an alternate reality that features both an alternate birth location for James T. Kirk and further alterations in the history stemming from the time travel of both Nero and the original Spock, Leonard Nimoy. The alternate reality was created in an attempt to both free the film from the franchise from the established continuity constraints while simultaneously preserving the original story elements.
1: Wow, that was better written than I expected, and I was the one who copied and pasted it Uh, from this link link that I gave you. So um, what's everybody's history with this? Did you see it back in 2009? Were you excited to see it? Did you see it later on? Um, Peter, how about you? What was your experience with when you saw this?
0: Um, I saw it pretty darn close to when it came out. Um, Gotcha. Okay. Actually saw it in a planetarium. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Wow. That, that sounds and like the, it. the Star Trek exhibit was traveling and I saw it there.
1: Oh, that was in I I went to that with my kids. That was in the summer of oh9 So yeah. yeah. So came I, out saw in, I saw it there. Yeah, um, this came out in in April,
0: uh, April. No, May of May of two thousand and nine this came out. Yep. Um Yeah, I this this is where I started getting the name Canonista. So I'll I'll leave that there. Uh-oh. All
1: right. we'll, we'll we'll circle back. Um, Jen, what about you? What was your experience with when
3: you saw? I saw this in two thousand nine, probably multiple times in the theater. I was really excited for it, uh, and I enjoyed gotcha. it at the time.
1: Gotcha. And your and I know we didn't cover this up front, but uh, I apologize. Reader's Digest version of your history with Star Trek. How did you become a fan? How old were you? And and what's your what's your favorite? whatever um just, please Real yeah, quickly,
3: so I, I, I started watching next gen with my family when i was a kid um didn't really get hooked until i started watching deep space nine though and that was about season three of ds9 was kind of what really drew me in um and then when voyager premiered that really cemented it for me um just kind of gotcha. saw myself in janeway at that time but um my awesome. favorites ds9 um one of my favorite characters is Dax. Uh, I loved Seven of Nine, maybe not initially when she was brought on, but on rewatches when I got to see like more of her character. But um, mm-hmm. really strong into that Berman era is like kind of my, my growing up with it. And I really, really enjoy all the new stuff too. I'm just like, is it Star Trek? Bring it on, I'm here for it. So God, that's too. that's kind of where well. I'm at. <laughs>
1: Absolutely nailed it. All right, Kay. How, well, how about you in this film? When did it when did it come into your your orbit?
2: Um, we watched it pretty soon after its initial release. I mean, we're not like coming in at midnight to watch it because we don't like crowded theaters. But it was probably maybe a week or so after it came out, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it gotcha. at the time.
1: Gotcha. I um I saw it right uh right on opening week, probably that Thursday. Uh, I was you know i was i was grown i was working i was whatever and um i also liked it but i struggled with i'm sure a lot of the same stuff that peter's going to talk about so we will we will we will get there in time so um all right let's let's do it like this We, we know the plot of the film we certainly don't have to break down the plot of the film because I think anybody listening to the show has seen the film and gets it, but you know, let's get critical. Um, but let's, I would say, let's keep it on the even keel and we'll go positives first. Um, and in this case I'm going to go, what I see on my screen, I'm going to go left to right. It's going to be Kay. Then it's going to be Jen. Then it's going to be Peter. And then it will be myself. So Kay, you're back in the batter's box. What are some (laughs) things that you thought was were great about this film?
2: Um, first I was, I was excited to see Chris Hemsworth. I totally forgot he was in this. (laughs) All right. When he popped up, I was like, wait, that's the wrong Chris. Are we, did they do a bait and Chris? What is, is this, why is he here?
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) bait and Chris is not the name of this
2: episode. And then I realized, I was like, oh, Oh. no, he's just, he's the, he's the dad Kirk. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) Um but overall i I think that what really caught me and enamored me was just the way that they updated the enterprise without like updating it um as far as like it's you know, and i'm I'm sure you know Peter and Charlie will have other things to say about you know Canon and all of that stuff. but I really enjoyed the way that they um Brought the ship to life. You were seeing a lot of places in the ship that you wouldn't normally see. You got to see kind of the the nuts and bolts of it. Where even in like lower decks and those kind of behind the scenes shows, you still don't really see like where they like keep the weaponry and where like you know these weird like water conduits are and everything. So you get to see a lot of the really cool back end stuff. I thought the way that they did warp was really really awesome. Um, and kind of like that space folding around it. That was really, really cool. And like
1: a like a water like a water ripple is that yeah. I
2: mean, went on, yeah. And I I thought that it was a really great way to bring Leonard Namoy in and have Spock be in and really say kind of a nod to like, we love and we appreciate, you know, the the original series and we we know that we're not canon. This is the reason why we're not canon and why you're going to see those things change. So that would, be, that would be like my loves of it. I don't know if you want me okay, to go with my cool. my lows or just keep it positive. No, no, right?
1: no. I, I think i are kind of round robbing this deal. We'll keep it fair so we're not like – we're, we're not all emotional highs and lows. We can be all highs and lows. <laughs> okay. uh, so, Jen, hit me. Uh, what what uh, What did you dig about this movie?
3: I think it's a very pretty film. I think that the production value is really high. Uh, I'm, I am I agree with Kay here. I think that the way that they updated everything was very, very cool. Um, it felt just familiar enough to kind of bring you into something that like, okay, I kind of know where we're going on with this. Um, I love the costumes. I love the design. Um, I like the... Uh, I like the actors in their roles. I think that they do a great job with what they have. Um, We're going to talk more about that later. Um, But yeah, (laughs) the way they did the warp, the way they did the transporters, the way that it just looks and it feels and it immerses you into what this world is and how it's going to be different. Um, And it's fun. Like, I, I had a good time watching it because I had fun with it. Not as much fun as... Later, we're going to talk about that, though. So, but it was really pretty. It was really cool. I'm, I like the visuals and the music Jen
1: goes with it's really pretty
3: and the music. I do. He's
1: I do also really, really, really love the theme of the integration of that. All right, Peter, this might be short, but I still, I still want your thoughts on something that you enjoyed about this film. And I know that's going to get
0: even shorter when we get to the next one. And I'm right there with you. But that's okay. <clears throat> Um I like Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy. I mean, that's I really, really liked Carl Urban as Doctor McCoy. <laughs> he did a really good job. Um, I enjoyed seeing Spock. That was fun, Leonard Nimoy, Spock. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, sorry, that's all I got.
2: <laughs> no,
1: that's okay. Yeah, I think Leonard Nimoy, and again, we get him back in the next film. I believe he's the last. On-screen appearance of an original series character that we get chronologically mm-hmm. like bit, chronologically speaking real world. So, uh, and it was, yeah, the last film <laughs> not, a couple of years before he passed. So he was, he was not a young man. Okay. I'll go. And, um, my overall mantra, and I think I mentioned this to Kay and maybe I mentioned this to Jen in passing, um, is that I've got, I, I have kind of a, I've got, I've got a brand new bag as a, uh, as James Brown might say about these films. Um, I have decided, and this particularly refers to the first two films, but not necessarily the last one, which I I enjoyed wholeheartedly, and I can definitely talk about that, is that in my brain, and it's funny, this is something that Todd, my, my partner on SFU Prime, will frequently say about something like, well, if this didn't have the name Star Wars slapped on the front of it, would it be successful? If it didn't have blank slapped on it, would it be successful? And I thought, you know, dial this back. Take out Star Trek, take out Starfleet, Federation, Klingons, which we don't see Klingons in this one, Romulans. Take all of it just, and just like make up new names for all that stuff. Is this a fun story to watch? Yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely is, if it's not Star Trek. Because, again, I got st- – hung up with some of the things that i'll talk about in the next segment when it comes to canon that were that were a real messer for me even back then even though tos is not my jam and, and katie knows what Katie knows what i'm talking about because she's does not mess with tos and i ooh, does not mess with tos maybe <laughs> i think that could, be a, that could be a slogan on some merch k does not mess with tos fortunately for you. <laughs> And I finished talking about TOS, you know, so you'll never have to really mess with it until we get further down the road and do, you know, single segments. But, yes, I thought about, I thought, would this be a fun movie to watch if this was, you know, space- force, alpha, bravo, tango. I don't know. Or if it was just something silly <laughs> or ridiculous. Yeah, I think I, I could have enjoyed it if I would have thought, okay, well, here's a bunch of young kids who they throw their, you know, ranks around like it was lunch. And, you know, they've got a 13-year-old kid flying the ship or, or navigating the ship. And could all that be fun? And they, there's the sword fighting sequence. And they're doing the space dive and kicking people off a drill. And planets are imploding. And does all that seem kind of sci-fi-ish and kind of fun? Yeah, it does. But not a Star Trek. So my positivity for the film is kind of, is kind of, you know, it's 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 you, it's not me, divorced from Star Trek, <laughs> for me, for me. So that that's so what, what I. What you're say. saying I'm is positive.
2: that it was dumb fun.
1: Oh boy! So all right, somebody somebody get the clue phone going. That's my partner, Jen. So you know that's my partner's Todd's. That's his key catchphrase: dumb okay. fun. When he like when he's trying to justify watching something moronic, it's (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That seems about right. All right, Kay, back to you. What are some things you did not enjoy about this film?
2: Um, I will say that um Kirk kind of ruined it for me. James T. Kirk. Um, and I don't know, I this was my first real introduction to Kirk. I will say that because oh. again, I have not watched well, the original series. I saw some ooh, movies when I just I was saw. very very young.
1: Peter <laughs> um, recoiled if you're not watching the video. Just went, mm-hmm.
2: and <laughs> so for me, I can't get behind a like a hero character that's just got like the the chip on his shoulder, god complex of mm-hmm. like I am burdened with greatness. Um, and so the entire <laughs> movie, I'm rooting for him to take his licks and get some humility to him, and it just never really happens. Um, so for, yeah. So for me, like that was that was honestly more of a problem that I had is that I just did not like him as a character, um, and I found myself not wanting to root for him. Now, I mean, granted, like the storyline was a little contrived as far as like these Romulans coming and being like, oh, you know, we made a we captured Spock. He's got some sort of red red juice that can then make a super hole in time and space. <laughs> Very, very MacGuffin, Star Trek, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was definitely, I think that I was actually thinking the same thing, Charlie, is would I be as critical of this if it didn't have Star Trek attached to it? And I think that that was a big hit for me is that I was expecting more dialogue, less action. I was expecting those moral quandaries. I was expecting those you know, ethical dilemmas. And they don't really show up, especially in this one. It's just more like, hey we want to make an action, a shiny action movie. This was kind of, it felt like I was watching Transformers of like, you know, Michael Bay, Explosions you know, and Yeah. Just, just adrenaline rushing all the time, scuffing popcorn, eating pop, you know, everything all mm-hmm. over the place. All at once. And which is fine. Cause like I said, it's dumb fun. It's great, but it's not what I'm expecting when I'm watching a Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. And that was like my big rub is I'm like, I wanted, I wanted the more like meat and potatoes that you get from Next Generation, from DS9, from Voyager, where there's more to it than that. And that felt like that was pushed aside.
1: Big time. Big time. All right, Jen.
3: It's funny because that's what it says in my notes, too, is what is the moral quandary here? Um, right. This is a fun action. Event a there. Movie, there a but without the moral questions at its center, it doesn't feel like classic Trek. Which isn't to say that classic Trek was always like that, especially TOS. But if we're basing a film off of what the general public perception is, then shouldn't Mm -hmm. it be a little bit more philosophical? Shouldn't there be a question to it? If this is especially as an introduction to Star Trek. And this is not the Kirk that I know. So I'm sorry that this was your introduction to Kirk because Kirk on the show was not like this. You have... Mm -hmm. this This is like you know, what does my mom think Captain Kirk is kind of thing. You know, my mom being someone who doesn't necessarily watch Star Trek. It's like, yeah. Um, sorry, mom, I love you. Um, but this is, this is <laughs> he remembers, this is the stereotype when you have Kirk, like, it's a zap you know, brand again. talking like this. And it's, it's the, you know, it's, it's, it's this overblown kind of like, he didn't talk like that, but you still felt that kind of thing because he's like, banging a green chick in his dorm room and he's looking at the ladies and it's like, no, 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 no. Because Kirk, even though he may have had those love interests, watching the original series, you feel the genuine love that he has for these women of the week, for his crew, for the Enterprise, for everything. Kirk is driven by love and by passion. This is a Kirk without that love. So I guess the question is, Kirk without love is a passion, but it's an anger. And I Mm -hmm. don't like him much. It is hard to root for him. Um, And the thing that I find frustrating watching this is that they're just hanging lampshades on everything. You know, you got Dr. McCoy going, all I got left is my bones. And it's like, that's not where his name came from. You know, it comes from being sawbones, But it is now. Yeah. It's like they're hanging lampshades on so much. And I'm like, it's like, oh hey, hey, it's that reference, it's that thing you understand, it's that thing you remember, and it's like,
1: it's like, it's like it's the Solo, the Solo Star Wars movie. You know,
3: it feels yeah. like watching The Big Bang Theory and not Star mm-hmm. Trek. Oh, that's a
2: really <laughs> yeah. good analogy. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and
3: I'm like, hey, I honestly, are you yeah. Laughing at me? Am I on this for the? You know, I mean, and in 2009, I was all for it because I'm like, yeah, I'm with you, and like now here in 2023, I'm like. I don't know about this and we can do better
1: right? because we've and seen we, better. Yeah. You right. know, it had
3: been a while since there had been any star Trek. So I'm like, give me the star Trek. And now it's yeah. like, I know what we can do. So I, Go I ahead. have some yeah. problems with it. It doesn't feel, I'm missing moral quandary. Basically. Right. I'm missing those questions, so.
1: right, right, right. but it is fun. Well, Peter, I was going to say, Peter, here comes your time to shine because <laughs> I feel like we're going to say a lot of the same things. But by all means, if you can, you know, contain your your vitriol to, let's say, two minutes or less. Say, say what you got to say. Speak your
0: truth. I, man. I will contain my rage to Tuvok levels, not Zachary Quinto Spock levels. Um, and that is actually one of the problems I have with this film is the characterization of basically oh God, the entire yes. cast. Um, as we've as both of you have so eloquently put. Kirk is not Kirk. And it's painful for me who grew up watching the TOS films. Yeah. Um, you're the big TOS guy here amongst. Yeah. All so it, that was especially painful. And because Spock was like my spirit animal growing up, I hated this version of Spock. This is nothing against Zachary <clears throat> Quinto as an actor, but I did not like the direction that they went with where they had this, or they decided that Spock was, uh, angry like his base emotion was rage not you know a little bit of sadness or something that we kind of got where he's half Vulcan and not fully in society but it was just rage and, and that's
3: before they blew up his planet
0: yeah and that was
1: before right, they
3: blew exactly. his planet.
0: yeah, um, yeah so. very adversarial and then eventually violent yeah so I just this take on Spock for me is, is particularly in 09 and Into Darkness is just to me abhorrent absolutely abhorrent. Um, And that for me is partially because of my other pet peeve on this film is just JJ Abrams in general. The guy cannot, the guy can't write a story to save his life um and oh boy well he directed it he didn't write it that's why he helped with the story and he did a lot of the decisions which is part of the problem because there's a lot of he and kurtzman worked very closely on like lost and these things where they have the mystery box and all these he has all of these toys that he loves to shove in his films and they're all there and it's like dude you do you brought your toys and you brought your star wars action box and you made a movie and put the Star Wars, Star Trek tag on it, and you didn't know what you were doing. And it exactly feels right. like that.
1: That's how I always I felt. Mean, yeah.
0: I'm not trying to drop all the blame on Abrams because Kurtzman and Orsi are also involved here, but it's a three ring circus, is what you're saying. There, but there's mm-hmm. a there, that's where like the moral quandary was missing because JJ Abrams doesn't understand that. You watch any of his later films, he doesn't know how to do that. Um, I don't like the the. The cinematography, it's too bright. The lens flares.
2: So um, many lens flares.
0: There's too many lens. still, oh, He toned them no, down thankfully as time went on. Um, but I just, I really didn't like the characters. I didn't like the cinematography. Um, and honestly, I didn't like a lot of the designs. Um, the uniforms were too um, touristy for me. Um, they didn't feel like uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Shirt uh, like of hey, let's slap the like just do it logo yeah. on it and just put it everywhere.
1: It was like uh, a, it was a football
0: jersey without the shoulder pads. That's what right. I. Always I mean, thought. the, the, you know, the and, cut and and everything was fine. It's just, and I mean, you two know mm-hmm. this because I complained about it on Strange New Worlds. I don't like microprint. I really don't. Um, yeah, it just no. Um, so <laughs> like with leaving like the, the Canon stuff a little bit to the side because it's most, cause a lot of that has to do with it's an alternate universe. And I was okay with that going in. There were things that, that changed in the first five minutes. I was not okay with because it's supposed to be the same timeline at that point. Right. Supposed to be, and it's not clearly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so leaving that aside, I still think that they got some of the, the physics and technology wrong. Um, they switched more to a Star Wars style of hyperspace. I know I know, you guys like The Warp. I like how they did it in Beyond. I didn't really like how they did it in the first two films. That's um, probably what I'm thinking of. I like Beyond. It's bubble. Yeah. I'll leave it there. Yeah. I can complain about this movie too much. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I, that's okay. That's what we're doing here.
3: One complaint Please. about the uniforms. And that is that the because the rank stripes are on the sleeves and the women's mm, uniforms don't true. have sleeves, you don't get to see what no rank any of the I, women are.
0: I didn't like that they took right. the sleeves away for the women. It looks so stupid to me.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the only sleeveless <laughs> uniform that we see at all prior to this was the one I wore last week because we were talking about we the motion picture the and it was Captain Kirk's, Kirk's like DP. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they could have done something exactly yeah. right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, going the. To be doing the
2: doing that. Having it be genderless, like they did in TNG, where everybody was wearing the scans, like yes, yeah, where it was it, it wasn't to, indicative to right. gender. But when you're only seeing the women in those right. uniforms, it's very much like this is Just a gendered thing.
3: Put a background right. actor in a scant, and I'm yeah good. I mean, I won't right. say no to Chris Pine in a scant either, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I. Let's see here. All right. Well, let me put a pin in it. The, the beauty of going last is how yeah. to get to let all you guys say <laughs> all, all the heavy lifting, which because otherwise I could monologue just like Peter was afraid of monologuing. Um, yeah. I mean, really echoing what I said before. Um, yes, the alternate reality piece of it was necessary separate continuity. But my biggest bog down, and again, this is me sliding back into, okay, well, they're trying to call this Star Trek, so I'm going to judge it through a Star Trek lens. You can't change when everyone was born because everyone, with the exception of Chekhov, was a lot, was alive when or, or being born or whatever it is. Or How did what happened with Nero and the Kelvin make everybody be born differently? It's like that's kind of too much. I mean, butterfly effect, whatever it is, ripples through time. But, you know... Certain people wouldn't be born or they would be born later, and that's why they all look different. I mean, it's just, it's too much, you know, throwing the confetti up in the air. It just, it it, and just having it not land. So the, you know, I'm Captain Pike, but um spock is now my fr- spock has a rank of commander but he's only 25 and kirk is also has is now a captain but he's 25 uh and i took it away and gave it back and took it away and gave it back and spock when he gets pissed you know instead of throwing kirk in the brig it's like get him off the ship let's just shoot him into a cavern on a nice planet yeah, right. that's something that starfleet would do it's not put him in the brig it's i'm pissed off spock uh you know, he's he's you know he's acting like a pissy teenager. Well, I'm in charge and you know screw this guy. Boop. That makes no sense, but obviously that's what you need to bring Leonard Nimoy into the mix. Um yeah, like I, was I said, I'm surprised if,
2: that the you know, crew listen to him. Because I would have been like, um, ex- right. ex- excuse me, you want to do what now?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you want to condemn this guy to death by shooting him into an ice planet, and just being like, see ya. Very unstarfleet, you know, and it's just Nero ship and it's so powerful that one shot he takes out you know 10 starships and plus the fact that the romulans they're talking about the romulans like it's an everyday thing but at this point nobody had seen the romulans in a hundred years or they decided to retcon that as well because well you know we are in an alternate reality and we could just do whatever we want but some things just don't it's just too far afield for everyone to just completely be divorced from anything that came previous. I mean, people are going to have different ages and, you know, the enterprise is 10 times bigger than the TOS enterprise was. And it's, you know, they film part of it in a literal, um, auto parts plant, which is why you have the big pipes and the different stuff. It's in a it's factory filmed thing, at the Budweiser it's, distillery.
0: That's where engineering. There
1: is you being. go. Which, just to me, it's just like, I just don't really, just why? It just, I, I mean, Discovery has gone and updated things. Strange New Worlds has done a great job of updating things. And I can take a soft retconning of making something not look like a cardboard set. Because, again, I've maintained that if they come back with cardboard sets in this day and age, nobody's going to go for it. Um, so they do have to update things. But it's just everything about this film visually just kind of a bridge too far for me. And I just can't can't hack it for me so oh oh my goodness there we go okay well um we've talked about this for a long time so it's time to move on um star trek into darkness Peter, I don't want to make you read this, so I'm going to do it, <laughs> you get to read the last one because this is where we're going to we're, this is where we're going to lose Peter a bit because Peter actually traded for cues himself before recording, which you know what I, I appreciate that. But anyway, I'll give it a jump. Star Trek Into Darkness, 2013, uh, is an American science fiction film directed by JJ Abrams and written by the same dudes who wrote the previous film. Um, Star Trek film number twelve, second in this series. Uh, you've got all the pretty much all the returning cast, uh, including you know Bruce Greenwood as Captain slash Admiral Pike and Leonard Nimoy. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch joins the cast for some reason. Uh, you've got Alice Eve who has an accent for some reason, and Peter Weller, who frankly I thought was the best part of this film. Because I love Peter Weller. And he was a Star Trek vet, so I'm an Enterprise uh, right at the end of the series. Um, this was, yeah, as I had postulated, Nimoy's last film, with Parents' Forest Death in 2015. Um, this follows Kirk and the Enterprise sent to the Klingon homeworld seeking a former Starfleet member named Terror, or a turn to terrorist, John Harrison. So, let's get started with Kay talking about something you enjoyed about this film. And if it's brief, it's brief. If it's long, it's long.
2: They attempted a moral quandary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's really? a C minus for
2: effort. <laughs> sure. Um, Cause I mean, there was, there was, I guess, um, Mike had a moment where he was like, oh, shit, Kirk, you don't have any humility. And I'm like, you just you just figured this out. I guess <laughs> <Like, it's> better <laughs> late than never.
1: Were, were like, you not in lucky. the last movie,
2: sir? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you met him while he got his ass kicked in a bar. And we're like, you're just like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, um,
1: I'm gonna change you. He was, he was, he was the girlfriend that tried to change the boyfriend. He's good. Yes. I can change
2: him. I will say, exactly. I thought seeing Chronos um, and the Klingon homeworld was really cool, and I did enjoy mm. the. And I know this is anytime the Klingons get changed, there's a lot to be said, but I did think that their um, interactions were cool. I did like how Ahura had some more. Um, bite in this movie where like she was the one who, who kind of moved the plot forward in a lot of ways, um, which was great because they certainly didn't do any favors for Wallace. Um, so really? I will say that those were, that was maybe my, my best parts of that.
1: Gotcha. Jen.
3: Um,
1: She's like, I got notes.
3: <laughs> I do. I do. Um, Please. No, I, I think that. Yeah, there is a little bit more of a moral quandary. I think that this is the one for me that if you had filed all the serial numbers off, this would have been a very good movie. And I would have enjoyed it very much. And by filing this serial off, movie. I, mean, I mean, like, this isn't, you know, if it's not Star Trek, and if you take away all the names of the characters, like you were saying for the first one, Charlie, it's... Um, there's there's an interesting film in here. There is a character arc for Kirk, um, Kirk, you know, whatever. Um, and we'll just call him Johnson. It, yeah, you know, uh, it's James R. Kirk, you know, the <laughs> right?
1: Um, that that, that grave from the yeah, I mean, I for,
3: yes. yeah. Um, and the thing is, the thing is, Pike is right. You know, we see that there's, you know. Kirk is not, he's right. He's not okay. He needs to learn something. So it does set up that arc for him, like I said. Um, So there is a, there is a story. There's an arc. I do like that. It is a, it's a very watchable film for me. Again, if I try to have it not be what it is. Um, And, but the problem is I don't want to have to do that in order to watch the movie. Um, It was still fun. It was still interesting. Um, there's more that I didn't like about it, but I also do like that. They didn't try to hang lampshades on everything quite nearly as much as in the first one. Um, it left of, all the
1: lampshades back in the first one. Yeah.
3: It, it, it moved, didn't it reorder. moved along. It moved quickly. It was still, like I said, watchable. Um, I have a lot of questions though. And I might save that for my second, uh, second section. That's okay. Yeah.
1: I like it. Peter. Wow, this is going to be even shorter. So,
0: by all means, means. crickets, crickets. I enjoyed when the end credits rolled. I don't know.
1: No, wow. Okay, they do have nice credit sequences. I I will say, yes, it was nice that there was a moral
0: quandary, but it was structured badly and executed badly. But it was, it was there. And I did like, okay, I did like the translation subtitles for the Klingons where it flipped from Klingon picked to right English. Right. Um, so oh,
2: yeah, that, that was, was really, cool. really cool.
0: That that was really cool. Um, okay, so there's two things. Oh, man, that was that was that was way more than I was expecting.
1: I'm impressed. <laughs> um, I'm 100% in the camp. I I like the filed-off serial numbers uh, analogy that Jen tossed out there. This, even more so than the first film, it just has. You not only have to. This this is not divorced from Star Trek. This is like widowed from Star Trek. Like Star Trek is dead. Like dead and buried, and you're going and sitting at the grave, you know, with a bottle of whiskey every anniversary. I loved you, Star Trek. Blah blah blah. I mean, (laughs) oh my God. There's just, and the worst part of it is Cumberbatch, who's chewing things up with his. Big, thick, heavy accent and all of his over enunciation. And you look at the character of Khan, who is a Sikh from the 1990s and a global dominating Superman, and now he's a thickly accented British man. Really, if it wasn't Star Trek, he's great. He does some good things. It's an amazing action piece. The stuff on Kronos, the the big scary vengeance starship, which never could have built, been built in the 23rd century. But again you know, they, they label that back with the speech that Peter Weller is Admiral Marcus gives early on. Like we've, you know, since what happened with the Kelvin, we've had a quantum surge. And I know this sounds like what they said in the uh, winter soldier, we had a quantum surge and threat assessment and we're spending more money on which they don't have money, but you get the point. Like we're more focused on defense and military stuff. That's why we have this ridiculous ship and section 31, which we get a a little bit more flavor about that once we get into discovery because it's such a big piece of season two um but this certainly more so than the other film is fun and exciting and a great romp not a touch of star trek change everybody's name you know give spock ears the point in the uh, the opposite direction and call him spork i don't know what you need to do but This is so much less Star Trek than the film. And I didn't think it could be less Star Trek after the 09 film, but it was like, consequently, uh, this came out when, when April and I, my wife, when we met, um, and she had some familiarity with Star Trek, but wasn't in quite as deep as she is now because of me, she and, and her son, my stepson, love, we all went and saw this together and, and, and they loved it. And I was just grinding, grinding my teeth. So again, it's, yeah, toss me some popcorn and, and, and Coke in a big jug. And I'm sitting there at the movie theater going, and just digging on it. But it's just not even close to being Star Trek, but enjoy it for those reasons because I'm supposed to be being positive. Okay, yes.
2: I did think of something that I actually did enjoy because the first, um, the planet that they start out on, it's kind of a little bit of an Easter egg because it was, um, what is it, Nibiru? Nibiru. Nibiru. Yeah, right. That's the, that is the name of the planet that from like the 12 planet pseudoscience guy who said that we came from an alien race, yes. that they came and influenced us and like gave us technology. So it's like this like bait and switch for that of being like, oh no, actually we ended up influencing them. So, That's I thought that that was a really funny nod to that whole 12th planet, like, conspiracy. You mean it's a conspiracy?
1: Bait, bait and Chris, right?
2: Yeah, Bait and Chris. <laughs> it's
1: Bait and Chris. Oh so, my God. I did
2: think that that was a very funny nod. Um, but other than that, then it just went downhill.
1: I hear you. Well, you know what? Since you're already talking and talking about downhill, <laughs> it's your turn.
2: Yeah. So, uh, my question is how many um, alien STDs do you think Kirk has? Because he starts out this show well it's with, star like, trek two, so
1: it's 47
2: two 47. asian cat girls like could it, i was like can you just be any more weird weeb stereotypical so gross,
1: so <laughs> so gross. gross. my god
2: yeah so there's it honestly i'm gonna i i think i have seen wrath of khan but it was when i was very very young so i do not remember anything about it and i just remember when they were you know Things were coming out with a movie, and they were teasing it, and everybody was like, "This sounds like Wrath of Khan. This sounds like this is. Are you sure this isn't Wrath of Khan?" They're like, "No, no, no. It's not Wrath of Khan. It's not Wrath of Khan." Mm-hmm. And then they have the scene of Spock screaming Khan, and they're like, "Yeah, it's actually Wrath of Khan." And I was like, why, "Why are you rewriting? You have the entire the entire point of the first movie was that you would not have to do retellings right. of of the original stuff. So why are you trying to think, retell the original stuff?"
1: I think. People either laughed or booed in the theater when that happened.
2: (laughs) Yes. And it was just.
1: I I may have been one of them.
2: Yeah. And it was so bad with that. And, you know, like you were saying, um, like Peter's, to Peter's point, Spock is just getting so much further from his original character. And, of course, his mom has to die because, you know, he needs motivation. And. Right. Just the entire thing felt so pandering, especially because you end up where they're like, okay, we're going to actually set up this moral quandary where, you know, you have this race of super soldiers that were created. And then once again, there's this weird time change thing for reasons. And so they're from the future, but they're not from the future. Don't exactly understand that. And then, you know, it's, it's like, okay, well, they were being used by this evil admiral. And then it's like, no, actually, right. they're just Bad white who think that they're the best, and so they want to destroy everybody. So they're also bad guys. So just everybody's bad except for the people on the Enterprise. And yeah,
1: Khan is not supposed to be white, but no, he is.
2: <laughs> right, and that's and that's the thing is that the entire moral quandary that they set up is just everybody's bad except for the Enterprise. And I'm not even in Wallace. That entire scene of her getting undressed for reasons. And then, don't up, like, turn her around.
1: Here's me in my underpants.
2: Yeah. And okay. then, just a scene of her Great. just standing there like this. And even the camera angle, I'm like, literally, you, you all could have at least pretended like this wasn't a shot of just you wanted to have her in her underwear for reasons. Bro, and she, it reminded yeah. me, I felt like I was watching King Kong, where like those old movies of like the, the screaming blonde that would just be carried around by the monster. And her only reason to be there was just to scream and be in danger. That's what it felt like the entire time.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah and she's supposed to be uh, for the primetime I'm supposed to be Carol Marcus who was Kirk's old girlfriend. They had a son together, you know, she took her son off and you know they they had a parting of ways so he was involved in his son's life. And that that was the, you know, Touchstone in Wrath Khan, one of several, is that he met his adult son uh, again. And then so this was supposed to be a touch to that, but she has British accent for no reason, even though her father is Peter Weller, who has no accent. So, but she says that she was raised by him, but has her mother's accent. I just
2: yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so I am and seen. I am done.
1: <laughs> and seen. And marker on Jen. All
3: right. Um the interesting thing about Marcus in this, I think, is that in the original, she's concealing her son's identity. And in this one, she's concealing her own identity as the daughter of the admiral that is putting all of this into motion. So mm-hmm. there's another switch. There's another, you know, turnaround Baton there. Uh, sort of the same way Wait, that... Another baby, Chris. Right, right, right. Uh, this sort of the same way that, you know, we have... Uh, Kirk on the inside of the radiation container instead of Spock. So it's like, it's the same movie, but everything's reversed and everything's swapped. And it's like, why? And why Benedict Cumberbatch? And like, there's problems. If you have an actor of color talking about being a savage and being uncivilized, like he was doing but there's also problems if you have con and it's a white guy like there's no way to win absolutely no way to win so just make it someone else make it not con keep him john harrison or whatever else you want to name him because the biggest mm-hmm. problem that i had with this movie when it came out was the con of it all and that kind of remains the
1: con of it all so uh- <laughs> with
3: this as well was just like yeah Up until that point, I'm like, we're good. This is interesting. There's still something going on. I would argue that this feels, it feels more Star Trek than the first one. So I'm in in a little bit of a disagreement with you on that. Um, Because there is a moral quandary. We do kind of see the team working together. We see that they're a little bit more competent. Yeah, they're still angry. Yeah, they're still not quite gelling. But there's more for me to latch on to. But up until he's like, yeah, I'm Khan, then I'm like, it it just, it just starts to fall apart. Um, You don't need to remake Space Seed because they didn't really remake Wrath of They kind of remade Wrath of Khan, but like you have to pull the Space Seed of it all in first in order to remake Wrath of Khan at all. So it's like you don't have the history that you would as Wrath of Khan. So why do they care? Maybe the only reason that it's con is so that you can have Spock prime say something and give them some kind of advice and give, you know, Kelvin Spock some kind of edge here, but like it was kind of, which he doesn't really, no, it doesn't, it doesn't (laughs) really do anything. And it's unfortunate that this is Nimoy's, you know, kind of final role here because it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't really give it any weight. Um, They make it, work as a story without actually needing to, like, you don't have to have seen Wrath of Khan in order to understand this. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative because I have, so I can't really say. It's probably a big negative. (laughs) you Um, you You know, it's, it wasn't my favorite to begin with. I found that I liked it more this time around, but, It's not really saying much (laughs) Um, because I liked it more than I did originally, but that's probably because I knew what the twist was. And the first time that I saw it, I felt a little betrayed because it was in the marketing. Oh, it's not con. It's not con. Oh, it's con. And it's like, (laughs) why even even try to pretend that it's not? It's just JJ with his mystery box again, because he doesn't want you Mm -hmm. to figure it out.
2: Oh but it's like a little kid God. hiding a toy behind their back, and you're like, "What do you have?" And
3: they're like, "Nothing." nothing, nothing not <laughs> yeah. con. definitely not con. It's, yep.
0: it's
2: yeah,
1: it's the kid with the, the baby with the no object permanence. I cease to exist. Wow. Yeah,
3: it's like <laughs> oh just my God. Just say what you're doing. Don't yeah. talk down to your audience. It, don't pretend like real, we don't real, know because we know.
1: Yeah. So. Oh my goodness, Peter. I mean, I'm sure you could say a lot of things, <laughs> but.
0: Okay. The, I'll try to keep short. it brief. Um, this is where my PTSD from Star Trek production started. Um, mm-hmm. because This is where all the gaslighting of the fans got really bad. Um, it got worse later, but like this was where it's like, we started to go like, Oh, this is like, it's, it's totally con like that whole bit. But then they started to give us crap when, when it happened. But Anyway, um, so if I'm bitter about this one, this is partially why. <laughs> um, and this is why I continue to have problems with people in charge of Star Trek today. Um, right. Thank you, JJ. Um, the The main things that I have issues with this film are um, obviously con. Um, the, the context of the character doesn't work. Um, and... His relation with the Klingons doesn't make any sense To me And um, They put him in the side of the moral quandary Where you end up wanting him to succeed Which is weird Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't like that Because It's Khan Again, like you've Mm -hmm. all said, if you take the name away It's not as big of a deal But because I know that Khan is a megalomaniacal Warlord from from A genocidal period of fictional earth history no <laughs> just not not cool
2: right and that's the thing um, that they they make him seem like he's a decent person of just trying to save his crew until you know they they defeat the false bad of the admiral and like oh by the way he's also a megalomaniac so you need yeah. to have you, right. you need to beat him too and i'm like this there's yeah. too many how do we too miss that yeah, yeah
0: exactly. right it's just it's too much and <laughs> really the and and for me this was like this also had like the worst warp scene ever when the enterprise gets knocked out of warp. It felt like the East Australian current from finding Nemo. That's the, that's immediately what I thought.
3: (laughs) thought.
0: And so I just hated it. Um, And then I know that they are doing a lot of, and this is one of the problems I have with some people redoing Star Trek or just redoing franchises in general is like, let's subvert expectations and turn things on at their head. The death scene, like having Kirk and Spock switch places from Wrath of Khan was a major misstep, I think. Um, And also their solution right afterwards took all of the emotional weight out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, they try to redo shot for shot, and the pacing is almost exactly the same as Star Trek II, which, as a fan at the time, felt like everyone going hey, you like Star Trek? This is Star Trek now. We took the best Star Trek. Mm, there you go. This is Star Trek now. And that's what it felt sandwich. like to me. Um, and so this is part of why I hate this film so much. And I'm sorry, I just do. It's that's okay. because it feels like it's taking Star Trek. It's like, this is not yours. This is mine. and I And you have to take what I'm giving you. Let me take the best thing. And change it to something that it's not, and it's mine now. And that's just what it, that's what this movie felt like. It was telling me the whole time, and I know that there are people who enjoy it. Good on you, that's fine. <laughs> but for me, that was like the worst thing about this film. Um, yeah, it was a way
2: of like it, it, it kept like trying it to say Star is
0: mine now. It's not yours. I get to say what this is, and obviously for you who have listened to me talk about new star Trek, this is why I have problems with that. So, um, yeah, I'll, uh, that, I'll leave it there.
1: That, 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 that was brief. It really was. No, I, no, I, I appreciate you speaking out. I, I can't echo much less of what others have said. And then really what my take was on the, the O nine movie. Um, yes, Taking Star Trek out of it, having it be, you know, the widower, the the Star Trek widower helps. But again, it's not really possible when, like you said, and like the the biggest misstep, Peter, I think you nailed it, uh, was your Kirk-Spock reversal. And again, the real weight in why that scene makes most of us messed up or feel something or, or outright cry when you see that scene is that you have, you know, 20 years, 15 years at that point of Kirk and Spock being brothers and then you've watched your brother die so that he could save the rest of the family i mean and they try to they, it, it's like the dc films excuse me for saying so they're trying to manufacture uh what marvel did over you know eight or ten films in two and it's just it, it's to me it was it's always been very artificial this was very artificial to me in that way you can't take the fact that kirk and spot seem to really hate each other's guts through you know one and three quarters of a movie to like, Oh, now it means everything. Cause you killed him. Even though, even, you know, earlier in this movie, I stabbed him in the back and he lost his ship and then they gave it back to him. And they're, da, 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 da. they're, they're, they're reaching, you know, they're reaching for too high of a shelf without having a step stool to stand on. You know, there's no basis, you know, you're not, you can't climb up a stack of books to reach something on a higher shelf if you don't have the stack of books. And that's where, you know, there was a lot of unearned, Comparisons or a lot, a lot of swings that they took that they just spun around in a circle and fell down, short of connecting with the, the ball, due to sports analogy, which I hate to do. Um, yes. Like I said, even divorced from Star Trek, I, I can't divorce myself from this as easily. Love the Klingon stuff, as I said, super cool, great. Um, We've seen Klingons go through other changes. We've had a lot of discussions about it. the Klingon Empire as vast, as you see on the map back here. Um, so there there could certainly be different Klingons that look different ways. That's cool. I can accept that. Um, but, yeah, you're right. His connection to the Klingons made no sense. They do explain that, yes, he, he's from the future. You know, he's, he's 10 years prior to where he should be, but his ship got found by Badmiral instead of Kirk, and so there was a different whatever. But, uh, yeah, just... The, the gaslighting, the whole, it it's definitely not con. It was immediately con, and the fact that he's British and has a big accent. You know, they try to explain that away in one of the comics. He had cosmetic surgery, and they changed his voice, and I was just like.
3: Man. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to do that.
1: Exactly. You know, exactly. So, it's part of the thing of you have to see ancillary someone... stuff to make the movie make sense, which just doesn't. Right. It's yeah. It's not okay. And non canonical ancillary stuff, because the comics are not canonical. Even when you have a separate universe. So yeah, this movie was, you know, I want to say, hey, I enjoyed this great action sequence and this thing and that thing, but it's just god awful to me. I'm Peter, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not quite as vehemently with you, but <laughs> Walking, walking out of this, and again, we're still in a time period in 2013 where it's been, you know, eight years since we've seen any other Star Trek because Enterprise was canceled in 2005. We're still five years away from Discovery, so bringing, you know, Star Trek kind of back where it belongs on on the small screen. And this is all we had. Um, and maybe that made it hurt kind of that much more, so.
3: Well, yeah, and again, <laughs> so I, so I, the way that I, I felt about it was like, I'm going to take what I can get. I mean, I also like, you know, right. people And at the time, I mean, not at this time, but like um, prior to the MCU existing, when we had, you know, that terrible Fantastic Four movie, it was like, oh yeah, I'm excited about this because this is all we had. I'll take the third X-Men movie because I like the X-Men, you know, is it great? Mm -hmm, No, I'll take it. Um, Right. And in its defense, I do want to say like the, the relationship between Kirk and Spock, even though you don't have those 15 years in there. I feel like they try to set up that Kirk cares about Spock in some way from that opening sequence where you had Spock in the volcano and Kirk is like, no, we got to get him out. We're going to save him. We're going to break the prime directive to, to do this and Mm -hmm. and get him out. And also like prime directive wasn't really a thing at that point. Right. It was still general order one. Oh no,
0: it was a big deal still at this point. It's
3: supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: supposed to be right. In Enterprise, it wasn't a thing. But by this okay. point, it had definitely been built up to be a thing or it should have been. They didn't, you know, just kind of toss it out. But, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And to oh. that point, Jen, I think that they're switching Spock and Kirk's death. Because, again, I had not – I do not remember really anything from Khan. So I did not know that they had actually switched that scene. And knowing okay. that now, I actually am more bummed out because I think that having having Kirk continually try to care for Spock and try to show him – like that humanity because right. the entire movie is pretty much set up to have Kirk like grow up and find some humanity mm-hmm. or humility and then having it. So that despite him continually trying to tell Spock, like, Hey, you know, I try to save your ass. You, you betrayed me and made me lose my ship. Mm-hmm. And then it becoming Spock sacrificing himself and Kirk having to deal with that and be like, Hey, you can't fix everything. You can't solve everything. And even when you have this friend, they're still going to like, like, their version of sacrifice and what they want to go through, that's going to hit you hard. And that might not be like, you can't always do everything that you want to do where it felt like him sacrificing himself. That was just like how he saw it was going to happen. And it just was like, once again, I'm like, that didn't really feel like it taught him humanity because he still just did what he wanted to do. Yeah. You know, while it was killing himself, it still just was him not following rules, not following orders and just doing what he did. And then Spock was having this revelation of like, Oh, I actually really liked this guy. I'm like, but Spock didn't need to have that Really, <laughs> Like, he didn't need to get more angry. He needed to be less right. angry. He needed to be able to look at himself you don't and need and angry
1: like, Spock. yeah, I'd be,
2: be, be like, like you, you know what? I need to let this go. I need to be able to accept what's happening. And I need to be able to give of myself in a way that I haven't before and stop taking this out on everyone else. And he didn't get that moment.
3: Right. The answer was mm-hmm. to find mm-hmm. compassion in his humanity, not beating up Khan. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: Not, you know, like, what Khan.
1: <laughs> yeah, the big, the big punch up at the end. So, which yeah. is you know basically how they wrapped up the first film as well. So, very cinematic, very popcorn film. And again, so so deeply widowed from Star Trek that it made a lot of us want to throw up. But I digress. Let's let's move on to our final segment. Peter, are, are you recovered enough to be able to read this to us? Just kind of yeah, give us
0: a highlights so about highlight Star Trek well. Beyond. Mm-hmm. All right. um, so Star Trek Beyond Is a 2016 American science fiction Action film directed by Justin Lin Written by Simon Pegg and Doug Jung Thankfully they switched everything up And are based on the television series Star Trek Created by Gene Roddenberry It is the 13th film in the Fran- Star Trek franchise in general And the third in the reboot series The entire cast returns uh, This is one of Anton Yelkin's last films, as he died a month mm-hmm. before the film's release. Unfortunately, oh my goodness! Um, yeah. You also have Idris Elba, Sophia Battella, Joe Talson, and Lydia Wilson appearing in this film. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, lot. You know oh, <laughs> but there you go. Yes, yeah,
1: so hopefully we can pull it back to something a little bit more positive. So, Kay, you're up.
2: Um, I think this one, out of the the three movies, this one definitely felt the most Star Trek out of the movies. And I think that that might be because J.J. Abrams did not have his hands in it as heavily as the other two, where they gave it to someone, you know, Simon Peck, huge Star Wars fan. So mm-hmm. allowing him to, you know, be have a major well, we'll role Star in the okay. start, Yeah, excuse me, Star Trek <laughs> I mean, he's fan. So. You know, yeah, I need I both. So both. <laughs> of the stars, role, he so likes all of so. them. Yeah, so allowing him to have a role and writing it, I think that's where you get where the jokes don't seem as forced and weird. The pacing is a lot better um, because he understands the characters a little bit better. And, you know, it's probably, like, the strongest, like, moral question out of the three. Um, I still wasn't entirely sure how I felt about it, because um, it felt a little bit kind of a rehash of the first one, just in a different way. Like, Federation killed all my friends and didn't like me, so now I'm going to kill all of them. But I did like the idea of it. Now, sometimes the characters were stupid for stupid's sake to move the plot, but I've you know, the the visuals of it and the characters felt like they were the most true to themselves as we've seen so far.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. Jen?
3: I really enjoy this movie. Of the three, I agree. I think this is the best. It's the most Star Trek. Um, it's earnest in a way that I think that the first two movies were afraid to be. Um, yes, there's still That's some That's a really good way to put it, yeah. But, you know, it has some heart. All the characters feel like themselves. I love Jayla so much. Um, Mm -hmm. I love what she represents. I love how she and Krell are flip sides to each other. How she's an alien that's brought into the Federation and into Starfleet. And she, like, by bringing her in, they show that we are willing to take anybody in we're going to listen to each other. We're going to support each other. We're going to do this. And then Krell by contrast is the opposite of that as um, a human who made himself something completely different and other because he didn't like the Federation and what it stood for. And he felt abandoned by it. Uh, I do think that the story kind of talks about how we have institutions that Even though they're good um, and do help most people, even the best institutions uh, can fail and people can slip through the cracks. And it shows what happens when we allow that to happen. So we have to keep an eye on everyone and continue to include everyone. With that infinite diversity and infinite combinations, we have to help each other. And that is the most Star Trek thing that I can think of. This feels like Mm -hmm. what Starfleet is. This is what Star Trek is. This is what we're all about. Let's come together. Let's help each other. And those are my favorite Star Trek stories. So I enjoyed this one.
1: Excellent. Good deal. Peter, where are we landing, babe? Talk to me. I actually really
0: like this one. (laughs) <laughs> and it's going to come as a surprise.
2: I'm sorry. I, I think it's a, ten. Think
0: well, maybe I, not a
2: ten. <laughs> I need to pick myself up off the floor. I know. Oh, oh my
0: God. I, <laughs> it's the I one, I, Elizabeth. This is the one that I actually rewatch. I don't rewatch the other ones. I rewatch this one. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I I quite like this film. I think that they finally had, like, a character arc for Kirk that worked. Um, mm-hmm it didn't, it didn't like stick the landing at a certain point, a couple points, but it, it, it worked. It, it really did. Um, I loved the beginning. The episodic joke was hilarious to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I like, (laughs) I'm, I joke that, you know, every third star Trek movie, we need the enterprise to crash, but they did (laughs) it well. Um, Mm -hmm. like they made it scary. They made it dramatic. Um, it really mm-hmm. worked. Um, Jayla was fun. Um, and finally, there wasn't rank dumbassery going on, which was nice. Yeah. You're the captain now. No, I'm the captain now. You're demoted. You're no longer the
1: captain. So yeah. finally, yeah. they
0: didn't have that. Uh, the moral quandary was good. I, I'll i say later my critique of it, but um, like. It it this one really feels like a Star Trek film, like they finally found their footing, and the writing was worlds better. And it makes me sad that they didn't that they're not making another one because they finally figured it out. They finally figured it out, and then it stopped. Um, And like Spock still isn't quite there for me, but you know, um, but like they finally had figured it out. And that that's what this movie really felt like for me. And that's why I I liked it so much was like, they finally got the characters like fully to where they were supposed to be. Um, So, I mean, trotting out Kirk's stuff from the films where the, I might not be ready up for this anymore. Sort of thing was a little like, okay, maybe give him something different, but, but they felt like their characters, they felt like they finally started to gel. So I liked this one.
1: I love that yeah I just um, you know it's funny when you said that I thought you know they finally got it right I thought about I thought about Enterprise and how the fact that in season four of Enterprise man they finally got it they had a new showrunner they had a new direction they weren't chasing you know the SOS the same old shit of you know like and here's this plot line we've used and all of the other shows stuck in the seasons one and two of Enterprise uh, and as Kay will tell you famously naked glitter baths why not Uh <laughs> yep 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 true um (laughs) but you know i all you know this film echoes that for me because could they with the advent of a flashback here or something there could this have just been the movie they made that didn't have any other i I didn't feel like you had to so heavily you know there were there were touches to leonard nemo had really died so you had this bittersweet moment where you know cock you know or uh you know our spot, you know, this spot got a box of his crap. And there was a thing in the little cigar case with a picture of the original staff. That was a tear moment at the end of this, but, um, yes. Yeah. I mean, which was, it was a shocker. And then even just to hear you read it again and figure out that JJ JJ didn't write it, you know, or, you know, the other two guys weren't involved. JJ was I'm sure in EP on this, if you look at the credits, but other than that, her, his fingerprints were totally off of it. Um, and, and they really nailed it. You found out everything, again, everything that you love about Star Trek. We stick together. Hashtag we are Starfleet. Um, here's, you know, I love the touches to pre-Enterprise, which would be Idris Elba's character. He was a Mako, which was the Marine Corps. Like this. Oh, this better tie in for the outfit I'm wearing. Starfleet Marines, Mako. There you go. Um, you know, and, and he, you know, he was a guy who needs war. So it was, it was like how Ultron painted Steve Rogers. You know, you know, believing that you could ever live without a war. That was, that was Crow. That was, uh, you know, Captain Balthazar. I want to call him Balthazar Getty because I feel like that's a famous person's <laughs> name. This is Balthazar Edison. Um, Yeah, you know, that was just the thing. He was a guy who couldn't live without war, so they put him in peacetime in the starship. And he was like, this sucks. And then he fortunately got lost on a world where he could become an alien warlord and a slaver, which is really obviously where his heart was. So proof that even back in the Enterprise times where they were like, humanity's gotten over things like savagery and stuff. Nope, you still got guys like him that think slavery is super cool and like to blow things up. And, you know, so yeah, here's a guy who's a slice of the past that it's really kind of good that he's not around anymore, but here he is in your face. Um, so he's the real, you know, super bad guy. That is, you know, he, his motivation is that he's bitter and awful as opposed to like Tom Hardy's character and, and nemesis, which it's like that movie was named nemesis. Like he's the worst bad guy you're ever going to see. But this dude plus Khan, original Khan, are really kind of some of the baddest baddies that you've got as far as a single individual who's just, you know, bad to the bone. And the thing that motivates them is, you know, kind of their hatred and their, you know, desire to just make everything go kablooey. And that's kind of where this guy was at. So, yeah, echoing really what everything else that you guys said, they really nailed it. The touches were nice. Um, The old starship was nice. Um, A little kind of gentle... Uh, retconning of even the enterprise technology because this ship maybe launched about five or ten years before Inter- the first season of enterprise took place so in some ways it should look a little bit a little bit less advanced but they have the seat belts which i thought was great because obviously you needed those back in the day um and they have the primitive transporter which you know they never say when the ship disappeared so obviously it got updated it probably has a transporter that's uh, relatively equal to the tech that they had in Enterprise, so I guess that makes sense because it disappeared after after the end of Enterprise because it was a Starfleet ship, not a not an Earth Starfleet ship. It was a Federation Starfleet, Starfleet ship. So to get nitpicky, um, but I, I like that part of it without a doubt. So so yeah, yeah, I enjoy this film and and, and certainly it's the the only one that I would consider uh, worthy of a rewatch if we weren't. For if we weren't all forced to do it by me, which I appreciate you guys I really do. <laughs> okay. Detractors. Okay. Take us to the detractors. Then we'll, we'll kind of wrap all this up.
2: Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was, uh, Kirk starting with yet again, another existential crisis. Um, which was, I, I actually, I kind of appreciate it because he's like, I'm nothing. Li-, he's, he's sitting there and he's like, I'm nothing like my dad. Like my dad joined Starfleet because he wanted to make things better. And I joined it on a dare. And then Bones turns on and goes, "No, you've been trying to be your dad this entire time." I'm like, "Bones, are we watching the same movies?" <laughs> just <laughs> curious. Because <laughs> no, he was Kirk was right. Don't tell him he was wrong. That was right. He needs to, he needs to have this wake up call. But they're just kind of were like stupid moments where, like when crawl attacks, nobody's. I think like Kirk looks at that the chick, the, the pink chick, and is like, "Who are they?" And she's just like, "I don't know." Yeah, and then nobody that? questions that again. Like nobody's like, "Hey." Take her out of here. Do something. Because like, how did she not know? How did she, her ship cra- crash landed there? Obviously, uh-huh. something's going on. And the like, they little- find, yeah, they find this ship and, you know, obviously everything's working and they don't think like because my first thought was, oh, maybe like the species that crawl is attacked this ship as well and brought them in here. And that's why they're here. So but no one thought to look at the captain's logs. Until, after, like, way later. And I think that the moral Ooh. quandary that was set up with Krull's character would have, I think, rang a little bit better if they would have revealed him sooner and had that mm-hmm. discussion going on both ends, both with Krull and Ahura, and then maybe with, like, Kirk and... In- you know, and uh, Scotty on that side going, okay, so we know what's going on. How do we want to deal with this now versus us just going in blind, thinking, oh, he's just you know, just crazy alien guy. Um, and then I think it could have shown more of the reflection of the unity through different groups versus the unity through one, which is what Crawl's pushing for.
3: True, true,
1: true. Jen.
3: Uh, yeah, I agree. I feel like that, that initial inciting action was a little bit contrived. Uh, and I, I agree. I think that it would have been better if we had gotten that, that crawl reveal earlier because it was quite late in the film. It was, it was mm-hmm. almost over. It was in the third act
0: yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: He was attacking yeah. the star base at that point when we found yeah. out.
0: Yeah.
3: And it's it was really like, tacked on. Like, oh, it not crash. really the best time to be having that question. Um, and I don't know if it's just because they want to, you know, force the action or focus on the action because it is, you know, it's a, it's a movie. It's not episodes, but um, it, it did feel like a long episode of a show that we never got. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, I think, it's not a bad thing. Um, I know folks say that like you know insurrection feels like a long episode, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Because if you've got something that feels like the spirit of the show, that's mm-hmm. right. a good thing. Well, that's what, um,
1: and that's what we're talking about here for sure. Yeah, Lacking,
3: I, you know, I, I, kind of want this show. I, I would have loved to see this cast because they do feel like they finally have their roles figured out. They know what's going on. Um, I don't have a lot of bad to say other than I might've rearranged some of that stuff. Uh, like Kay said, uh, Mm um, mostly good. I think for me,
1: mostly good. I think there's a great review, Peter. Um,
0: I think that the, um, I definitely think that the placement of Krell's reveal to be Edison was definitely weird. Um, And some of the characters acting stupid for the sake of plot was definitely a little (laughs) frustrating for me Mm -hmm. in points. Um, The one thing that at least was pushed in the marketing. So when I went into the film, I was expecting something a little bit different. Um, Like the whole thing with Krell be uh, Edison being a former Mako, like that thing of failing institutions worked. Um, But with everything that they're pushing, I was hoping that we were going to get a little bit more of a response of a alien culture that didn't accept the Federation's values. And so, so it was coming to take them out Um, like basically a failed first contact sort of deal, which we don't usually see. We like, we see Mm -hmm. like, Oh look, it's the Klingons and they just hate everyone. So they're going to kill us anyway. (laughs) It's not like, it's not just like bump into the Federation. The Federation tries to be nice. And then they're like, Oh, you suck. And so we're just going to try to kill you. We don't really see that as much. We kind of get that here and there, but I was, that's kind of what I was expecting. And so I, we didn't see that. Um, so that's like, that's more of an expectations thing rather than like an actual, like this, this plot is bad or something. (laughs) Um, so I, I would have liked to see a little bit of that. Um, the, um, as cool as it was, the space station didn't work for me. Um, because the engineer a little too much in my brain yeah. is just like, that is a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> um, like one whole breach and you expose the entire thing to vacuum and now you're relying on force fields way much. And what if the power fails? You're done. Um, so, so just from a design thing, the, the space station was a little wonky to me. Um, I also think it's, just a small little thing. It's also a little funny that we find it took us to have a Star Trek movie that involves very little space to get Star Trek, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Which is just, Like it works, but I just found that amusing that we had to like, we had to, f- we had to literally force ourselves to focus on the characters and not the set pieces for it to work. Um, which is like the end result is good. But I just thought that that was um, a little odd. Um, right. the, there were still some Spock moments that I didn't really care for, um, and the I, even with this film I still don't know what I feel about the Spock Uhura thing. I'm uh, in the same spot. It, it, it works, and they and and they play some of it for laughs, and some of it what worked fun. It like the tracking bit I thought was hilarious. Cause that yeah. was just,
3: <laughs> you gave I your girl gave her a, a
0: crush stone. Okay. It also is mildly radioactive. You gave your girlfriend a tracker. Not intentionally. Uh-huh. That was just, uh-huh. that, that was a dumb fun moment. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, <laughs> All right. but that's kind of like the, the kind of criticism I have here is just like some of the plots, to, like the, the, actually the, the main thing is that Kirk's story where he has that, um, should I be in Starfleet? Should I not? There's not like a moment that I can really pin down of where he kind of had his, um, the technical term is failing me right now, but kind of his epiphany. Um, There Mm -hmm. isn't really a time where you see that switch or you have him come face to face with something. You can see this could be an inciting moment. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just kind of feels like the whole movie is just kind of his moment. And it just, it it just seems like there should be like that crescendo moment and it didn't exactly happen at least not well defined um so but as i've said i really like this movie so i don't have lots and lots and lots of criticisms up so <laughs> For a change, More net. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> yes. Which I totally get. Yeah, that, that's the beauty of me going last because I really want to hear what all of you guys had to say about it, as opposed to me because I feel like I've kind of talked it to death. But yes, this was great. Yes, this one I will I will watch time and again. I, I again, the space station kind of seemed like a whole lot of much ado nothing. Like oh, look, part of it, part of it is at an angle, and part of it is this thing or that thing. And I'm like, okay, well, it's it's a movie, so you want to you know capitalize on science you know big special effects budget and the big screen and stuff but we have never seen anything like that in any other kind of starbase because again in the series it was like here's the space dock one used again here's regular one used again and we kind of get used to it but so they they were trying to do something big and splashy but yeah i'm with peter it just doesn't really click with me um and again going into the nebula like it's really dangerous And so let's send one ship with no way no recourse to get help if something goes upside down. That seems more like we got a big star base and it's right through a nebula on the other side. Why don't we send like three ships and then one of them can turn around and leave? Why didn't our people turn around and leave right away when they're like, we can't fight this. Okay, let's go. There was no like, let's turn around and get the hell out of here I mean, They they tried. The- it seems like they barely yeah it seems like they barely tried you know just do better guys do better not to lose another (laughs) ship. and then kirk you know obviously you get the impression that they just give him the new enterprise which is conveniently being built right there and there was no court martial like they have anytime any any other starfleet ship gets lost so you know minor minor nitpickery details but again a film that i genuinely enjoyed and and like i said in some ways it could have stood alone or it could have been something that spun into as jen was saying you know a television series with characters that really clicked as opposed to two you know one clunky movie and one in the depths clunky movie and then this which we all generally enjoyed so ah wow what a journey you guys this is now our officially our longest episode which i love we had a lot to talk about um mm-hmm. And this was really great. So, um, final question, um, and then we'll we'll do our goodbyes here. What's next for Star Trek on the big screen? I mean, I think we've all kind of figured out from news bits here and there that it's not going to be these this, this cast because they kind of ground that into the ground. What do you think they might do next? Realistically, what 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 direction might they take? What, what's your dream direction that they might take?
2: I would love to see a Strange New Worlds movie,
3: like with that cast. Totally.
1: Such a great cast. I agree. Jen?
3: Give us something completely new. Give us a new starship. Give us a new cast. Give us something that's exciting. Um, I really don't care what era we set it in. Um, I would like Mm -hmm. to see a new era, maybe something in the Lost Era. Maybe show us something between the original series and next gen, because there's a whole lot that's not really explored, especially in the Alpha Canon. Um, give right. us something True. far in the future, not necessarily discovery, but maybe that era. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited for whatever they give us. I mean, like I said, is it Star Trek? Give it to me. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll probably enjoy some, some part of it in some way. Um, but I would love to see something new, something different. Um, something exciting, but prime timeline, I would really like prime timeline. Yeah, ideally. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Peter thoughts on film futures.
0: Um, I mean, honestly, I think they're staying away from film for quite a while. Um, I think so too. Yeah. But if they were to make a film, I would really like them to do an enterprise one-off just to wrap that story up. Cause it wasn't wrapped up. Well. Yeah. Um, I don't think right. they need to do a series. I would love to see a series, but I think that doing a film wrap up would be fine. Um, but to echo Jen, actually, I would love to see them do another film set with a different crew and a different thing. So you can have your films, you can eat your cake and have it too, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. where you can mm-hmm. have films, but have it with a cast that's not reliant on the TV shows. So you can have the universe where, you know, the general consumer can just see it and enjoy Star Trek, but not have to get mm-hmm. super invested into the television shows, even though that's where Star Trek bread and butter is. That's where it does its best. But being able to have like a Star Trek show, a Star Trek movie out there that's fun and ha- needs to have Star Trek elements. Don't don't yes. do, don't put it the moral quandary. and don't have the moral quandary. Yes, always with moral quandary. Be Star Trek, but be out so that ev- so be the be the, the front man to bring things in, so that the mm-hmm. TV shows don't have to worry about that. Right.
1: And, I will fly in the face of my own question and say I don't care if I ever see another Star Trek movie. I think that this trilogy was enough of a and saved at the end by grace, but I think it was enough of a crash and burn. Um, and I think, you know, and I know Peter doesn't agree, but I know that Kay does. I think that what we've got on TV right now is so varied and diverse and great with five shows that bear little resemblance to each other. Um, I I just think that's where we need to stay. You know, I, you know, the same way that, you know, I I have the conversation with with Todd and, and John, us original secret friends that, you know, we love some things that Star Wars is doing on TV and other things we don't like so much, but it belongs on the big screen. That's its home. We need Star Wars on the big screen. We need another Rogue One. We need another really something great. We just, I just don't think we need Star Trek on the big screen. I just I just don't I just the, the to me the, the narrative failure overall you know where we get uh, one third of a good trilogy for this just makes me think let's just let's just go with what works and uh, oh I see see hand raised. this is not this is not third grade math class so you don't okay. to raise your hand
3: I I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit I would love to see Prodigy on the big screen the animation is yes. beautiful. And I would love to see that in the big screen. I think because of what Prodigy is and how it is an introduction, you can bring that in and have a beautiful animated movie for all ages uh, that still is a love letter to the series um, and, and shows what it is. I think that they did have a screening on the big screen at one point somewhere, but um, I think it's. I think great. you're right. I do remember that I movie. W- I would love to see a Prodigy film at some point.
1: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Good and I think it's oh my gosh.
2: Okay.
3: Oh, I got one more. I got, I think to Charlie's
2: point, yeah, yeah, part please, of please, what please. I love about Star Trek is the characters. And the reason why the third movie worked so well is because it was character focused. And I don't honestly know if they could do a full movie and have that character depth with it in, you know, an hour yeah, and a half could, or two hours. So I don't, could turn into you the, know, maybe that's the, the problem screen. is that you just, yeah, can't have it be successful on the big screen. Or as successful right. on the big screen as it is
3: on the small. Unless it's with a cast that maybe we already have right. established on the TV. I'd still like to see something new, right. but I'm always here for something new. Uh, but if it does have to be off of one of the shows that is going, I, I think Prodigy would be great.
2: Mm-hmm. All
1: right. I, can't, I can't disagree. Oh, my goodness. This has been um, this has been amazing. Um, and, again, <laughs> we've not done one quite like this, but uh, you, all three of you made it absolutely fantastic. So Jen, oh my God, thank you for joining us. This has been wild. You're coming back. It's non-negotiable. You're part, <laughs> you're part of the Code 47 family now. You are in there. So where do people find you out there uh, on the internets?
3: All right. Uh, I have a link tree and the link tree is a uh at Jen Watson Art. Uh, you'll find me pretty much there a- everywhere. Uh, I have an Etsy shop where I do uh, I have some Star Trek stuff, but it's lots of other fandom things. Um, I am also an illustrator. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I've got my cosplay, I've got my art, I've got all kinds of exciting stuff. But yeah, if you go to the link tree, it's Jen Watson Art, J E N W A T S O N A R T. Thank you so much for having me on. This was wonderful.
1: Awesome. And we, and we'd love to have you. K, where do people find you out there?
2: Um, you can find me on Twitter at QT Geek. That's Q underscore T Geek. And then on counter social at K Quinn.
0: Nice. Peter. Uh, well, you can find me around the interwebs in various places at Petrus Aquinas. Um, again, you can at me and I may or may not say anything. Um, other than that, you can find me on the uh, live streamed Star Trek RPG game on ELH's channel on Twitch or YouTube. Ooh, look at you branching
1: out. I love it. Uh, and as always, you can find me at most socials, maybe not all of them, but certainly over on Twitter at The C3. Go ahead and spell it out. My wonderful w- wife, April, and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey, of which both Kay and Peter are members. Uh, that is a chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club. Uh, you can find us on a website of that name also on Facebook and Twitter. I also run Region 13 for SFI, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. If you're Michigan or Eastern Canada, drop me a line from that website uh, or on any socials. If you're looking to find a chapter near you, I'm happy to find you. And then finally, I mentioned at the top of the show, we are now on Patreon, uh, signing up at most of the levels. will get you access to great new bonus content, of which uh, Kay and I are going to record one here shortly, but I'm not going to tell you much more about it because you got to pay. you got to pay the man. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash secret friends uh, gives you access to all that great fun stuff, so please... Uh, jump out, show your support, um, whatever it takes. Uh, we love making content for you. So, with that, friends, as always, I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to
0: keep on trekking.
2: And wherever you go, go boldly.
0: Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Seeker Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit SeekerFriendsUnite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more.